0: Amen. Well, this is, uh, go ahead and stay standing for the reading of the Word of God. This is Luke chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 11 this morning. For some of you, this will be a very familiar account of Scripture. For others, this might be the first time you're hearing it. But this is the Word of God, starting in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled the boats, so they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished, at the great catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of scripture. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for worship. Thank you, God, for Rachel and Phoebe. God, it's so cool to see mother-daughter combos leading us in song. And God, may our song go to you. It's not us. It's Christ in us. That's what's divine. That's what's changing us is Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful that we get to celebrate that today. God, we thank you that you know better than us Your timing is better. Your location is better. Your ways are better. Your results are better. God, everything that you do is better than us. And we freely acknowledge that. You have plans that we don't know anything about. But God, keep us humble. Keep us open. Keep our eyes on Jesus. And Lord, we think of the people that we love right now. I think of... Dallas Robeson. God, I want to pray for him. Kathy's husband who's in the hospital and just under tremendous physical stress. Lord, in intensive care right now, we, we lift up Dallas to you. God, this is a life-threatening situation. And Lord, Kathy has been so faithful. She's, she loves you. Lord, she loves our church. She loves being here. God, would you just minister to Dallas, heal his body. That would be our will, God, but may your will be done. God, we pray for him. God, we are so thankful. We rejoice this morning with little Liam Michelson being with us, God, this morning at church. What a a praise. What a blessing, God. So many people have been praying for this little warrior. God, we thank you for the healing that you have brought to his body. We thank you for doctors and medicine. We thank you, God, that This septic arthritis, God, has been um, just dealt a blow that hopefully will lead to full recovery. So we thank you for for Liam and Ashley and Lawrence and their family, God. What a miracle and what a beautiful opportunity and treasure it was for us as a church to pray. That's awesome. God, and and give financially. We thank you for all the wonderful things that are happening there. God, we pray that you would surround Liam with your protection and your blessing. And Father, there are so many other people that you're working in and working with right now, God. We pray for physical healing in Jesus's name, for those who are suffering, those dealing with heartache and depression and discouragement. We pray for spiritual healing through Jesus, through his power. God, and we ask that you would do exceedingly and abundantly, above and beyond anything we ask or think. Astonish us, God, with your answers to prayer. And God, minister to our hearts as we listen to your word. Jesus, you're always catching people. That's what you do. But God, may you catch us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and um, welcome to church. Luke 5, 1 through 11 is our text this morning. And there's just a lot there. So we got a lot to cover this morning, but we're thankful that you could join us for church this morning. As, as we start the sermon, of course, I have to have a Super Bowl story or a Super Bowl reference. So you may know the guy that's about ready to come up on your screen. Chiefs fans, you know this guy? Yeah, okay. This is Travis Kelsey. And many of you Chiefs fans are going to be cheering for this guy tonight, hoping that he receives or catches a couple touchdowns, maybe has 10 or so receptions, you're hoping that he brings you another Super Bowl trophy. But Travis Kelsey, this is an interesting thing. He's catching the ball here in the picture, and that's what tight ends do. I mean, they block and they do those types of things, but mainly they they catch. Travis Kelsey didn't roll into the NFL leading the NFL tight ends in receptions and touchdowns. In fact, his first season, he played in one game. He had zero catches and zero touchdowns. The next year, he really had a breakout season. He had 67 receptions and five of those receptions or those catches were touchdowns. And this, not this last season, but the season before, he had 110 catches and 12 touchdowns receptions or catches, and Chiefs fans, aren't you amazed at your pastor's ability to know your favorite player's stats? You're welcome. I probably know those stats more than I know the Bears' stats for obvious reasons. But listen, like, the reality of a tight end in the NFL is you make a lot of catches, and those are progressive catches, you know? Like, like you, you, you catch the ball most of the time to move the ball down the field. Not every catch is a touchdown life-changing, season-altering touchdown catch. There's a lot of receptions that Travis Kelsey would have. It's just normal things. And that progression, like catching progression, is you catch the ball and move the ball down the field, and it leads to bigger catches. It leads to the touchdown catches. Now, that is the only Super Bowl NFL metaphor and illustration you're getting the whole sermon, so I hope you enjoyed it. Because we got to mix our metaphors a little bit because we're in Luke 5 and we need to go from catching footballs to catching fishes. We've got to go from football to fishing. And here's what I mean. In this text, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Peter and Andrew and James and John, fishermen by profession and by trade, are going to catch Jesus. And they're going to catch this new mission called being fishers of men or catchers of men. And they are going to go from catching fish to catching people. And in the midst of it, they're going to realize that they are actually the ones being caught. Who are they being caught by? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, Jesus is in a really good habit of catching people. He does a really good job of this. And he catches sinners right when, they, right when they need to be caught. And he leads them down a progression of catches. Like they start small and they progressively get bigger until the biggest catch of all, Jesus tells Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, I've got a whole new mission for you. You want to catch? Here's a big catch. You're going to go catch men and women for me. That's what you're going to go do. So this this is our sermon series, it's called The Road to Easter, and we are going to be traveling through Luke's gospel from now until Easter morning. And we're really excited for this journey through the gospel of Luke. My sermon title this morning is this, Catching a New Mission. Catching a New Mission, namely the disciples catching this vision. They got caught by Jesus. And if you're a saved person, you know Christ is your Savior, you've been caught by the Lord. Amen. You've been caught. You're not ashamed of it. You're like, yeah, he caught me. How did he catch you? Progressively. He did little things to catch you. And then he caught you big time. He caught your soul. Now you have nothing else to do but to live for him, right? Because you've been caught. And you go catch other people for the name of Christ. Catching a new mission. So as we dig into Luke, we'll be in Luke for the spring. So I want to just briefly give you an introduction to Luke. Who is Luke? Who's this guy writing this gospel. And here is who Luke is. He wrote this gospel in AD 62, right? He is a doctor. He's a smart guy. All doctors are smart people. Amen. If you go to a doctor who's not smart, you should find a new doctor. Luke is a doctor. He's a smart guy. He's committed to following Jesus Christ with his life. He is a travel companion of the apostle Paul. So he actually traveled with Paul on all of his missionary journeys as Paul is planting churches in Europe and going around. Luke is right there with Paul, writing the gospel of Luke and writing the book of Acts. So if you can imagine this in AD 62, when Luke is writing this very gospel, he's probably writing it in the same room as the apostle Paul is writing like Ephesians and writing Colossians. Can you imagine that room? this scripture is being written. Luke is like, hey, Paul, what do you got? I don't know. What do you got? I got what God gots, right? And they're writing down the gospel. It's absolutely amazing. Luke was not an eyewitness of Jesus. So write that down. He was not a witness of the person of Christ. He interviewed eyewitnesses. So Luke was a very smart man, taking interviews down, writing them all down, and putting a compilation of the gospel of Jesus Christ together. And we are very thankful for the gospel of Luke. And here's why. Because it's a really long gospel, has a lot of details to it. And if you read the gospel of Luke, you're like, man, these chapters are super long. Yeah, they're like 70 verses. Some of the chapters are really long. Because Luke is writing very thoroughly about the life of Christ. And we can be thankful for Luke because he teaches us things about Jesus that we would not know otherwise from the other gospels, such as the birth of Christ. How many of you like Christmas? You know, yeah, everybody likes Christmas. And here's the deal. We wouldn't know as much about the birth of Jesus and Christmas if we didn't have Luke's gospel. He gives us incredible insights into the birth of Christ and the humanity of Christ. Luke is going to show us that Jesus was 100% man. He is 100% God, but he's also 100% man That's called the hypostatic union. If you are a theological person, you want to know that word. But Luke's heart, as he writes, is for his recipients to have strong confidence in the gospel. Like the whole reason that he wrote is in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He writes to this man named Theophilus. And there is some debate over whether whether or not Theophilus was a person or if this is a group of people that, that he just calls Theophilus. Regardless, he wants the recipients to be confident in the gospel. He says, I wrote these things to you, O excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. If you're a Christian, it's good to have confidence. Amen? Not confidence in yourself, but confidence in the gospel. And Luke's gospel is going to deliver that confidence in a great way. So Luke is, in chapter 5, is going to give us an account of a life changing catch. This catch of fish is supernatural, it is powerful, it is life changing, and it transforms these fishermen to become catchers or fishers of men. And so here's the big idea, here's the heart of where I want to go this morning in the message. When Jesus saves people, he gives them a new mission. And when he gives them a new mission, he does throw through a progressive series of catches that changes the lives of the recipients and gives them a new purpose. So Jesus, if you didn't know this, he's on a rescue mission to save humanity. Amen? Like, that's the whole point. You want to know what this big story is all about? Jesus came down to rescue sinners from their sin. Long story short. So therefore, he is rescuing people and saving them and then giving them new missions all the time. He's catching people all the time. So we're going to see the five catches of Jesus. With Peter, James, John, and Andrew. We're going to see the five catches. It's progressive, and we're going to see these, these five catches that Jesus does to lasso these guys in and bring them to a place where they're surrendered and ready to be sent. So, catch number one is this hearing God's word. Verses one through three. On one occasion, the crowd was pressing on him to hear the word of God, and he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats. And the fishermen were gone. They were washing their nets. And that's our guys, Peter, James, John. They're washing the nets. And Jesus um, asked to use one of the boats. So he gets in one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So the first catch that, that Jesus uses with the disciples is to teach the word of God in front of them. So he tells Peter, hey, there's a lot of crowds here. I need to get in this boat so I can get out and float around and teach people the word of God. Now, if you didn't know this, Jesus was a pretty big deal at this time. He was early in his ministry and everybody was coming to hear him teach the word of God because he would do things and teach things that, that had authority and transformation to them. When you hear Jesus preach a sermon, it's a pretty good sermon. Amen? I mean, it's good. Like You hear Christ preaching, that's an excellent thing. And Jesus is preaching. He's he's rocking and rolling throughout Galilee. And in Luke chapter three and four, we know that he even grabbed a scroll from Isaiah 61. He read it, sat down and told the whole synagogue, oh, by the way, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, you talk about power. That is amazing. It blew everybody away. Like, this must be the Messiah. And then Jesus said, I'm going to the Gentiles, by the way. And they're like, let's stone him. Let's kill him. So Jesus had a strong variety of, uh, you know, responses to his preaching. But he, people wanted to hear him. He was being pressed up on. So he had to get in a boat and he grabs Peter's boat. And he takes Peter on purpose to hear him teach the word of God. And he begins to catch Peter with exposing him to the word of God. Peter is sitting there in a boat. He's a captive audience. And he's listening to the word of God being taught. And this was a life-changing thing. Now, the thing you need to know about Peter is that he's not an all-in follower yet. Like, he knows of Jesus. He respects Jesus. It's not the first time he's met Jesus, but he is not 100% committed and surrendered to Christ at this moment. So he's hearing the word of God. And I would say that's the first catch Jesus uses with the disciples is he gets them into a place where they can hear the word of God being taught. 2,000 years later, you know it's still the same way? The way we become followers of Jesus Christ is by hearing the word of God taught. You got to hear it taught. And you got to hear it over and over and over again because that's how you're going to ultimately get a new mission in your life is to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 14. Right? Now the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirits, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. How do you know you're going to be a follower of Christ? I don't know. Have you listened to the word of God? You better start listening to the word of God. We live in a very word-starved culture. Can I get a witness? I'm telling you, we need the word of God in our culture. We need to just have it taught and exposed to our culture time and time again. Just yesterday, I was meeting with a young guy, and and we're going through the gospel. And we're going through this whole idea of Jesus. Jesus. And he's putting together a lot of the pieces. I mean, it's super exciting. Like bam, 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 bam. He's saying a lot of things that make a lot of sense. And I said, hey, question for you. Have you ever read the Bible before? No. It's a question as a pastor I have to ask more and more and more often. Have you ever read the Bible? Do you have a Bible? And the the answers are no, no, no. But here's the reality. If we're going to have Jesus catch us, we got to be in the place where we can hear the word of God. How are you doing hearing the word of God? How are you doing this week hearing the word of God? You want all these life change moments to happen to you. You want these miracles to happen in your life, but you don't read the word of God. That's not a good equation. Some of you need to get in the book. And that's the first catch that Jesus did. He got these guys in The word of God. Second catch is tension. The second catch is tension. Verses four and five. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night. We took nothing. But at your word, I'll lay down the nets. I mean, that's my interpretation of the flow of that conversation. Jesus gets done teaching. He looks at Peter, James, John, Andrew, says, hey, boys, let's go out into the deep. And let's drop the nets down. Jesus is a carpenter. Peter is a fisherman. Let me just land that on you again. Jesus is a carpenter. Peter is a fisherman. And the carpenter is telling the fisherman where to go. And he's saying it at the wrong time, in the wrong place, with a wrong context. (laughs) Like, Jesus, are you clueless man? Do you not understand what these guys have just been through? Like, they have gone all night toiling in the darkness with no fish to show for it. And you, during the day, midday, you're like, hey, let's go out and let's drop those nets again. Uh, How insensitive, Jesus. Don't you have any compassion on these men and what they've been through? And, and why ask? On the, it's the wrong time of day, bro. Like we go fishing at night, not, at, not during the daytime. And you're telling us to go to the deep? We only find fish in the shallows. You are wrong on all these levels, Lord. And you can feel the tension. All right? You can feel it. Peter is like, we have labored all night long. You can feel his frustration. You can feel his anger. You can feel his fighting against Jesus' commands. Have you ever struggled with Jesus and what he has said for you to do? Have you ever told Jesus, wrong time, wrong place, and you don't even understand what's going on in my life? Have you ever obeyed Jesus begrudgingly? Of course you have. This is the battle. This is the tension of following Jesus Christ. He knows That part of the catch is the tension. You have to have the tension in order to get to the new mission. And I want to encourage some of you. Some of you are feeling the tension in your life. Jesus is coming to you right now, and you're like, wrong time, wrong depth, wrong context. Everything's wrong about this, Lord. I don't want to obey you, but I guess I will. Jesus never brings tension into your life without opening a new mission. So the tension has a purpose. Don't run away from the tension. Be honest with Jesus. He was being begrudgingly respectful. He called him master, which is better than rabbi. Master is a a step above master. I respect you, but I don't understand what you're asking. Here's what we know. Here's what Peter didn't know. Jesus knew where the fish were. Amen? Amen. Jesus is omniscient and omnipotent and he is the God-man and he knows exactly where the fish are. Jesus is the best sonar you've ever had. Now, if you think of like great fishermen in our church, I only think of two, actually three, four, five. We got a lot of good fishermen in our church. I would say, right, the best fishermen in our church, might be, I'll say might be, because I don't want any emails later, okay? Might be Paul Thurman, right? Now, now, Paul, you're very Christ-like, Paul. I mean, what else can we say? You know where the fish are. So Paul, if you've ever fished with Paul, Paul's just like, I only went once with him, and, it was ma- and he discovered that, oh, pastor is not a fisherman, but I went, you know, and didn't catch anything, I don't think, or one, I don't know, I don't remember. But Paul's just like, zing, 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 zing. You know, like fish number 2,742. Fish 2,745. You know, like all that. Like, that's amazing. He's very Christ-like that way. He must pray before he casts. I think that might be it. But here's the thing. Paul or anybody else in our church, as great a fisherman as they are, they don't know what Jesus knows. They don't know where the fish are. Jesus knows where the fish are. And there's that tension between your understanding and God's understanding. Lean not, Proverbs 3 says, on your own understanding, amen? We are to lean on God. He must know better. And that is the tension. And when Jesus brings the tension and the heat and he reveals the sinful hearts that we have He's doing it on purpose so that we can get a picture of who he is. Your tension is meant for you to know who Jesus is. Stick with it. And he's about ready to open you up to a whole new mission. The tension is good. And he brings it right on time. Even though it doesn't make sense to us, it's perfect in God's eyes. That's catch number two, tension. Catch number three is astonishment. Astonishment, verses six through nine, There was enclosed, verse 6, a large number of fish that the nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners. They come over, fill the boats. They began to sink so many fish that it begins to sink, and they're astonished at the catch. They can't believe it. It is blowing them away. So not only did Jesus deliver some fish to the disciples, he gave them so many fish that it started a sinking situation with two boats. These are not small boats. These are large boats. These are large fishing boats. How many fish? I don't know. The nets just keep filling up. Fish after fish after fish after fish after fish. fish. Jesus is now just showing off. Amen? He's just showing off. When do the fish stop? They don't stop. They just keep coming. They just keep coming because there is abundance with Jesus. He wants them to know that He's God. So therefore the astonishment is built off of abundance and there are so many fish coming in that Peter and Andrew are like, James and John, get over here. Help us out. You know, this is how Jesus is. This is normal for him. When Jesus pours out the displays of his power, he does so, so much that it brings abundance and we are astonished. Amen. If you don't have an answer to prayer in your life, it's not because Jesus isn't willing. Jesus, he can do all things. If he decides to display divine power in your life to answer that prayer request or to give you an understanding of the gospel, he will do it in such a way that you will stand in awe of him. Have you ever read Ephesians 3.20? to him who is able to do far more exceedingly and abundantly above anything we can ask or think according to his riches that are at work within us, to him be the glory alone. Jesus can do all things. He can fill up boats full of fish that really say to fishermen, I'm God. God is on the boat. The same Jesus that wowed Peter, James, John, and Andrew is the same Jesus we worship today. Amen. He is still doing the same things. If we would experience him, if we would believe him and obey him, Jesus would blow us away. So when we seek Jesus or obey Jesus or pray to Jesus, we should not be surprised when we experience the astonishing answer to prayer. So Christian, I want to encourage you. What are you holding on to God for? What are you believing God's word for? What are you hoping to see God do in your life? And if you are believing it, and if you're obeying it, and if you're being called like towards that, are you seeing God work in a great way? And are you astonished by Jesus' ability to do it? I'm not talking health, wealth, prosperity gospel here, by the way. I am just asking you to walk by biblical faith and believe God. Just believe in him. Believe in Jesus Just the other day, three days ago, I had a specific two people on my heart. Have you ever had this happen to you as a Christian? I had two people on my heart. I could not get them off my heart. I I mean, I'm like trying to figure this out. And I am praying for these two individuals. I'm like, Lord, I don't know why they're on my heart. I keep praying for them, praying for them. I walk out of these doors right over here and into my car. And I'm like, Lord, I just lay them at the altar. Like, if you want me to have influence in their life, or if you want me to be in their life, if you want me to communicate myself to them, would you just make it clear to me? Make it clear to me. And I just let it go, and I got on the road. You guys, two minutes later, two minutes later, I pull into the Park Avenue High V parking lot, who is walking out of the Hy-Vee store at the same time I am pulling in? The man I was praying for. I'm blown away. I'm like, no way. I am astonished at the abundance. Fish, 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 fish. I pull up to the guy, I probably flubbered out like two sentences, like. <laughs> You look like you've seen an angel. (laughs) You're here, like right now. And I didn't tell him I was praying for it. We had a great conversation. And I'm like, I drive away. And I'm like, I'm blown away by it. God was really good in the conversation. I thought God was done. Oh no, oh no. 15 seconds later, I am driving down that strip And another person I have not seen in years, I prayed for a lot, haven't seen in years, walks out of one of the stores and I look at him and he looks at me. And we both didn't recognize each other because we're older now, you know, but it's like, it's been a while. God conversation number two, I mean, divine appointment. I can't believe it. I thought God's done. This is blowing my mind. I pull into Planet Fitness. I park to meet Marie for workout. We go into Planet Fitness 15 minutes later, you guys. I'm in Planet Fitness, and down the aisle walks someone I haven't talked to in 15 years. I mean, like, that I've prayed for many times, and I'm like, Lord, seriously, all the answers to prayer in like 14 and a half minutes? This is ridiculous. We had a great talk. And I I just wigging out. I'm like, I got to call Biddle. I need counseling. Ridiculous. I was astonished. Like that's no mistake. I was studying this passage this week. I was astonished. And Jesus is just showing off at this point, right? He's just bringing the fish. Like, I can do it. Just get out of the way. Obey me. Pray to me. Like I will do it. Astonishment. Catch number four is humility. Catch number four is humility. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down to Jesus' knees and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Peter sees everything that's going on, Jesus' manifestation of these fish, he looks all around, and he's just like, I do not deserve to be in the same boat as this man. This man is God. This man is the Lord. This man is Yahweh. This man is Messiah. This man is above me. I don't belong here. And he says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. What's he confessing? Doubt. His previous doubt. His previous anger and frustration over the tension. He was confessing his unworthiness. And he was recognizing that Jesus indeed was the son of God. Nobody else does this like Jesus. And he humbles people. This is Jesus catching Peter. Like, I got to have you humble before I give you a new mission. I got to have you humble. And Christian, I want to tell you, before you get to the new mission, Jesus will catch you with humility. Humility. And that is not super fun in our flesh, but us being on our knees before the living Jesus is the best place for us to be. Can I get a witness? James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Chuck DeClean, Clean, father of Chad DeClean, Clean, in his book on evangelism said this, one of my greatest needs to be an effective fisher of men is to be humble. I love that quote. If you really want to be used by God, To be on mission, to have hope in this life, you have to be humble. How is your humility? Do you recognize Jesus as the Son of God? Are you willing to go bow before Jesus and say, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man? That is the best place for us to be, and it is how Jesus catches us. Now, fifth catch, fifth and final catch. This is the big one, big catch, that didn't get away, (laughs) ha-ha. It's a new mission. The fifth catch is a new mission. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And they had been brought to the boats. After they got there, they left everything and followed him. Jesus tells Peter and the guys, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have a new mission for you. You're humbled now. You're ready now. I've caught you in all these other areas. Now I'm going to catch you here, and I'm going to give you a new mission. You will catch men and women. The word anthropoi is is gender neutral, which means that it is both men and women that these individuals will catch. They'll be catching both. And here's the power of this. Jesus says this, and they go away, and they sell everything they have. They sell the business. They walk away from the family business in order to follow Jesus. That's pretty powerful, amen? It's good. Now, how'd they do track record-wise? Well, you know, they're back and forth, right? Jesus has got to constantly bring them back, but doesn't he, all of us, to remind us, hey, you're on a new mission. You're on a new mission. You're on a new mission. John 21 is almost like a a replicated story of this. When Jesus is risen from the dead, got to go back and restore Peter. Got to go back. They went back to fishing. Like, no, you're on a mission, guys. You're on a mission. One thing I want to say to encourage you Jesus says, don't be afraid. How many times does Jesus say, don't be afraid in Scripture? Over and over and over again, Jesus tells us not to be afraid. Can I encourage you? Some of you are afraid. Some of you are afraid. You are walking in fear of what God has for you. You're walking in fear of the new mission. You're walking in fear of all the things that come with following Christ. And I just want to encourage you don't be afraid. Some of you are walking in fear of your circumstances, and I want to encourage you, don't be afraid. Walk with Jesus. Stand with Jesus. He will take care of you. He will encourage you. He will tell you, don't be afraid. Praise God. But he also says, from now on, you will be catching men. From now on, you will be going to a new place to do new things. Instead of catching fish, which you're clearly not good at, (laughs) you will be catching men. So this is the change. We are called to follow Christ and Christ calls us to catch men and women for his name, right? Here's what we do. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We are called to give the gospel to men and women. We are called to go out by the power of God and make disciples. We are called to catch men, catch people for the name of Jesus. How are you doing Catching people for the name of Christ. Acts 1.8. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to catch people for my name's sake. If you're a Christian, Jesus has brought you through all these little catches to the big catch. And the big catch is to lay your life down so other people can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Catch People for God. That is what we are called to do. That's what we must be committed to do at Living Waters. We must catch people for Jesus. That sounds really easy. It's really hard. Can I get a witness? It's hard. But it is, it is amazing. Jesus is on the move. I don't know if you knew that. You might think, well, our, our world's really dark right now. Is it really dark? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the prince of the power of the air is operating how he always has. Darkness is threatening light. But you know what is greater than darkness? Jesus is light. We go out with confidence knowing that the king has won the battle. Here's what I mean. We as American Christians struggle with doing the basic things that Jesus commands us to do. We struggle. We are more concerned about giving time to Chinese balloons that get shot down. Oh my goodness. what is going to happen? Some of you spent like four times as much time following a stupid Chinese balloon than you did God's word this week. You see what I'm saying? Like, do the basic things. We are not talking about rocket science here. We are talking about doing hard things for the glory of Jesus, bringing people to Christ. Don't let your eyes get stuck on screens. God is working. Jesus is moving. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I mean. This week, and I'm going to close the sermon here. This week, God has given me, and I'm I'm not exaggerating. This has been an awesome week. Six opportunities to share Jesus with people who don't yet know Jesus. It has been amazing. You know who didn't come and interview me? CNN. Fox News, they didn't call. KCCI, WHO TV 13, they didn't call me and say, how's God moving this week, pastor? How is God working in the lives of people? Nobody called me. You know why? Because cultural Christianity is gone. See you later, right? Bye-bye. So we have an underground movement. Praise the Lord. Awesome. But that doesn't change. Whether media or whether people examine or acknowledge Jesus' work on the earth, I don't really care. God acknowledges it. And God's still at work. And God is still telling us the same thing he's always told us. Bring people to Christ. I just want to encourage you. God's at work. Are you a part of it? This is the big new mission. This is it. The catch. People for Christ now is it hard? oh yeah do the conversions come a lot slower than they used to? oh yeah but that is still the call that is still the mission and may God give us grace to fulfill the mission, now these guys left everything they followed Christ Christ gave them a new mission Jesus catches these men and he changes their life Has he caught you? Has he caught you? Maybe one of these points resonates with you. Maybe it's the hearing God's word. Like, oh yeah, I need that. That's that's where I need to be right now. I need to be hearing the word of God because I don't know Jesus yet, but I, I, I need the word. And for some of you Christians, you know Christ, but you need that particular point to hit home with you. For some of you, you're like in this season of tension. You're this tension and Jesus asking you to do hard things and it just feels really hard right now. And you're just like, what are you doing? And you are going to be astonished at the next season. You're going to be blown away by what God does. And then some of you are being humbled right now. You're at the knees of Christ and that's good. You're telling Jesus, go away from me. I'm a sinful person. And for some of you, you're getting that new mission. Like here it is. Go reach people. Go catch men. Wherever you're at, man, don't miss the opportunity to respond to Christ this morning. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible love and mercy. Jesus, we thank you for how you catch people. You always catch people. Lord, I'm one of them. Many in this room. Lord, you've caught us in order to launch us out into a new mission so that we might catch other people for your name. So God, we thank you for intervening in Peter's life all those years ago. And Lord, here we are. May you intervene. May you intervene in the hearts of people right here and right now. May you catch people to go on mission. And I, I, I pray for every believer in this house that you would set them on a track to glorify you with their lives and to live on mission and to have more joy than they've ever had in their life because they're on mission for the King. And Lord, I pray for every person that does not yet know Jesus. It hasn't been caught yet, but Lord, you're, you're reeling them in. Lord, would you please save them even this morning, lead them to repentance and faith God, do your work and help us to respond. Your mercy, God, is indeed more. We're going to sing about how you are limitless in your mercy. You're ready to receive and embrace every person who has a soft heart this morning. God, help us know we can't out sin you, we can't outrun you, we can't outmaneuver you. Lord, when you catch us, it's, it's all mercy. It's all mercy. God move in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.